Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 319th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to Worthy! Worthy 5! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gadgum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. Here to get you ready for Carolina, Florida State. That game will come your way. This Saturday, 2 p.m. on ESPN, as Carolina will look to win their 10th straight game and improve to 9-0 and overall in the ACC. And they're going up against a team that they've already beaten once this year, but a team that has emerged as the second-best team record-wise in the conference, the Florida State Seminoles. We'll tell you everything you need to know about FSU Look at this game from a Carolina perspective. Revisit the first matchup. Give our keys to the game and so much more. But we start every preview edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And we go to the former head basketball coach of Carolina, Roy Williams. And this quote is, see the rocks in your path not as obstacles, but as opportunities to climb higher. And what Carolina is looking to climb higher towards is to win their 17th game of the year and improve to 9-0 and in the league. And, um, you know, this is definitely going to be as difficult a challenge that they've they've faced uh, in conference play on the road this season. Um, Florida State has improved as much as any team in the league uh, since December. Um, and that's evidence as to where they are from a record-wise, from a record standpoint in the conference play. And I know it feels like we say this about every venue that Carolina plays in, and it's because it's true. Uh, the Tucker Center is not the easiest place to go on the road and win. Um, you know, I've seen Carolina go there and lose by 33 before with a team that won an ACC regular season title and made the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament. So it's you know, and I've seen Carolina go in there and play really well. 
So hopefully we get the the the, the, the good version of Carolina on Saturday afternoon, but they're going to have their hands full um, with what's a very good and very much improving um, Florida State team. So with that, we'll take a look at Florida State. As I mentioned, um, you know this is a team that's twelve and seven. They're six and two in the league, and they're eight and four since losing to Carolina back in early December. So you know when when Carolina beat them, it kind of felt like you were doing what you were supposed to do because FSU didn't appear to be good. Um, but in conference play, they've they've really rallied, and they're six and two in the league, and. Um, they're really taking advantage of a, 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 a middle of the league that is as even as maybe it's ever been. They have three players averaging double-figure scoring, led by Jameer Watkins, 13.9 points, 6.1 rebounds, three assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 31% from three. Darren Green Jr., second on the team in scoring, 12.1 points, 3.2 rebounds. He's shooting 42% from the field, 40% from three. And then Primo Spears is their last guy in double-figure scoring, averaging 11.5 points, 1.7 rebounds, 2.3 assists, shooting 36% from the field, 24% from three. But this is a team that scores it by committee. They have eight guys that average at least six points per game or more on their roster. And in ACC play, they rank first in the conference in field goals made, two-point field goals made, two-point field goals attempted, and then they're getting the job done defensively as they lead the conference in steals. We know historically that Florida State is a really good defensive sound team under Leonard Hamilton, um, but the way they do it offensively is not the way most teams do it. In the modern era, you see teams that are taking and making a lot of threes. This team takes and makes a lot of twos, and – this is a different team than what we saw about two months ago, and it's one that will still pose a big challenge for Carolina on the road come, come Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no way to put it there. Like, this is one of the more shocking teams, I think, that we've seen in, in conference play so far this year because coming into the year, um, there, you know, were some decent expectations, but I still don't think that a lot of people thought this would be one of the better teams in the ACC after what we saw last year. And, you know, now we're sitting here after, you know, we saw the way that Carolina was able to storm back against them. That was one that at the time we were sitting there saying during that game, you know, if Carolina loses this game, this could be devastating for Carolina because more than likely Florida State is going to be one of the worst teams in the ACC again this year because their non-conference just did not go the way that they were hoping. Now, you know, I, I think it's it's weird because when you look at this team, it's it's very head-scratching to, to try to figure out how this team is where they're at because, yeah, they score the ball, the ball by committee, but, I mean, they're a solid offensive team. They average 77 points per game. They're not a great defensive team. They allow uh, over 73 a game. So it's it's definitely one of those teams that I think has just been able to take things game by game and find a way to pick off each opponent. But as you mentioned, um, <clears throat> you know, this is, a, this is a Florida State team that 
you know, the, the scoring is spread out. So it's not that Carolina has to take away one or two guys and that's going to completely shut down their offense. No, this has to be a complete performance defensively. And we've seen Carolina be able to do that. So, I, I mean, I think that's going to be the message going in is that you have to be prepared. Anybody can possibly take over this game. But the thing is, is that Florida State's going to feel like going into this game, guys, we almost beat them in the Smith Center. Well, even earlier in the year, I know Carolina wasn't playing as well as they're playing right now. But we almost beat them there. We fell apart because they went into a full court press. We couldn't handle it. You'd imagine that's something that they're going to focus on this week, trying to make sure have been focusing on this week after they played on Tuesday night. Uh, just you know, they're 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 probably looking at it as hey. We, you know, we'll do everything we can to prepare for that, even if that's something that doesn't really, um, you know, have a presence in this game like it did in the first game, which we haven't really seen Carolina use the full court press to that extent since that game. Uh, I, I do think that's something they'll be prepared for, and they'll feel pretty confident with the game being at home that they have a chance to win this game. So, uh, you know, Carolina's got to be prepared. This is going to be a fight. This is a team that nobody's talking about and it feels like they're taking it personally and they're coached by one of the best coaches in the conference so expect this to be a pretty close game for Carolina as they have to go on the road down to Tallahassee this is also another game in a stretch of games that the game just means more to Carolina's opponent than it does to Carolina um, because you look at Florida State's record you look at a 12 and 7 record and 6 and 2 league mark you'd least think bubble team right nowhere to be found um, for them to even get in the conversation to be a tournament team, they need a win like a, a win over a number three North Carolina just to start the conversation. Um, and I, I do think that is something that could be taxing for Carolina, although we, we we identified it back in the preseason when we got the schedule. This was the time of the year in the calendar to stack wins. Um, you, you know, but you're you're looking at a situation that you know, Carolina's next game that's going to have real meaningful impact, you would imagine, is next Saturday at home against Duke because they're heavy favorites to win this game and they'll be heavily favored to go on the road Tuesday night and beat Georgia Tech, meaning that really outside of that game against NC State on the road, Carolina's played a lot of, you know, you know, from the, the, the national perspective, perception, a lot of non-important games. Um, and they've played a lot of games where – they were the better team, um, and they were able to to blow a lot of teams out. So um, I think Carolina's still got to be ready to understand you're 8-0, you've got a long winning streak, you've separated yourself as the, as the best team in the conference. You're going to be the hunted every night that you walk on the basketball court. Um, and we saw how difficult it was for this team to deal with that expectation a year ago. Hopefully now that they're in that same position once again, they'll respond a lot better. You look at this game from the Carolina perspective, as I mentioned, 16-3, and 8-0 uh, on the season in league play. They are riding a nine-game winning streak, and they are the only power conference team that is undefeated in conference play. Um, they're the, so of the ACC, Big Ten, Big East, uh, Big 12, Pac-12, um, in the SEC, Carolina is the only team from those from those six conferences to be undefeated in their respective league. 
They're ranked third in the AP poll, sixth in Ken Palm, and sixth in the net. Um, of course, the only ACC team to have um, those kind of accolades. And mm-hmm. as of the last uh, Joe Lenardi, um, you know, NCAA tournament projections, he had Carolina as the third overall, uh, as the third number one seed in his bracket. Carolina has four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, is 21 points, 3.7 rebounds, 3.4 assists. He's shooting 45% from the field, 42% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring at 14.1 points, 10.3 rebounds. He's shooting 53% from the field. Harrison Ingram, third on the team in scoring, 12.3 points, 8.2 rebounds. He's shooting 43% from the field, 39% from three. He got Cormac Ryan, the last man in double figures, 11.1 points, 3.3 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He's shooting 39% from the field, 29% from three. Carolina is averaging making 18.9 foul shots per game. That's sixth most in the country. And they're attempting 24.8 free throws per game. That is 14th most in all of college basketball. Well, we did mention that this is the second time Carolina and Florida State have met, which means we can actually go back and look at the first matchup to help get us ready for the second matchup. And it was a a 78-70 win for Carolina. Um, Carolina trailed at the half 35-29. to We're down as many as 14. Uh, throughout the game, but used a 22-point run to take over the game. And really, the first game-changing run we saw from this team um, and one of the few we've really seen from Huber Davis um, as Carolina, as you mentioned, used that full-court press to turn the game upside down, and Carolina raced their way to victory. R.J. Davis was sensational, scoring 27 points. Armando Baycott had a presence on the glass. With, with, with 13 rebounds. Um, and I think when you when you go back and look at it, you know, this was a game that, you know, at the time improved Carolina to 7-1. and one. They would ironically go on and, and lose their next two games, but two games to UConn and Kentucky, two teams that are capable of, of winning a national championship at the minimum making the Final Four. Is it fair to say that the that when you look back at this first Florida State game, as much as the wins over maybe Arkansas in the battle for Atlantis or that home win over Tennessee in the SEC Big Ten Challenge were, that this was the game and the win that really jump-started the season and was the launching point for where this team is now? Well, I mean, look, it's tough because you do wonder if they don't win the game on the road against Pittsburgh, what does that, what ultimately, what does the season end up looking like? Um, but I will say that this is one of those games that if you go back and look at it, w- what actually happens if Carolina does end up losing that game? As I mentioned at the time, the perspective of Florida State was not a great one. Now, who knows? Maybe Florida State is still 7-1 and one in conference as a result of that win. Um, and all of a sudden, you're feeling pretty pretty confident about uh, that being you know, a loss that you can get over. But I feel like at that time, you do sort of wonder what that ultimately 
could have done to Carolina because, yeah, as you mentioned, um, that that would be three straight losses right there. And that would have made the game against Oklahoma. Remember, that was a very important game at the time. Can you imagine if they had lost to Florida State, how important that game ultimately would have been? I mean, that would have been crucial. Or else Carolina could have been right back where they've been the last uh, couple of years. So, yeah, I think you can definitely make that argument uh, that it was probably the most important result for Carolina of the season. They needed that to be a game that they found a way to come from behind and win. And the fact that they were able to do it the way that they were was really amazing. This team, in this game, it was a perfect example of what we saw from Carolina for the first half of this season, at least to this point. Um, you know, it was it was a group that simply just, you know, in the half court really didn't have any answers defensively. Uh, no matter what they tried to do, it just never seemed like they could get the stops when they needed to. And, you know, the thing is, is that Carolina in this game, they got to a point where they were behind they didn't feel like they were going to be able to do it with their half-court defense because they just couldn't string together stops and buckets. So Hubert Davis made the call to say, let's go full-court press. Let's see if this can change the game. And it immediately did. And Hubert Davis decided, we're going to stick with this the rest of the way in the second half. And Carolina just completely took over the game. Florida State had no answers for it. They never were able to settle themselves down. And that really showed at that time that Carolina is capable of adjusting to what the opponent does. It really feels like, for the better part of the last four or five years, Carolina was only able to win games one type of way, and that was their way. They had to find that they had to just simply, you know, find a way to either put together a great defensive performance and win in an ugly fashion, or I mean, occasionally they were able to throw it back and show you a little bit of the old school Carolina, but it was very rare. Um, you know, back in 2021 22, it really became, you know, as it, during the tournament, it was just that Brady Manick was able to get hot from behind the arc, and Armando Baycott was able to just out rebound and out physical you on the inside. Side. If Carolina wasn't able to do those things, that was the reason that they ended up losing those games. So that's the thing. This year's team, they've shown multiple times that they can adjust to what the opponent does well. Basically, you know, take what they do and do it even better. And this was a great example of that in this game as they stormed their way back, picked up a huge win at the time in the Smith Center. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason why you could look back at that game being the launching point was because so much of Carolina's identity came from that game. You you were able to dominate the game defensively the last 12 minutes of the game, um, and you went on a, a game-changing run, something that growing up we saw a lot of but haven't seen in recent years. And now you, you fast forward almost two months later, Carolina's gone on a 10-0 run or better in 11, in 11 games. So, you know, that started becoming a part of their identity, a part of their foundation of who they are as a basketball team. Um, and believe it or not, I don't, you know, even though they lost the next, you know, the, the, the next two games, they still played well in them. They still competed well in them. They just got beat by better basketball teams on those nights, um, which is something that it's a lot easier to, to understand when you're just getting beaten by – a better team as opposed to 
you know, just not not being talented enough or not playing hard enough. So, um, you, you know, there, there's games like that every year you can look back and point to. And I think that Florida State one and, and, and the Oklahoma wins are two as important wins as any this team has recorded so far this season. Another thing that we got to keep in mind is Carolina's a ranked team that's on the road. And, you know, if you watch college basketball, you see a lot of ranked teams losing on the road. Uh, just, you know, just the other night, uh, Auburn lost on the road to to Alabama. Kentucky lost on the road to South Carolina in blowout fashion. Um, Carolina, as we mentioned, is the only unbeaten uh, team in conference play from a power conference. And, you know, a lot of people are starting to talk about 20-0 and and Carolina running the table in in conference play. Let's just go ahead and squash that idea right here, right now. They're not going 20-0. and Now, I don't care how bad this league ever gets. The league is still too good, top to bottom, for a team to win 10 games at home and 10 games on the road. Um, I think you got a better chance of Carolina going undefeated on the road than they than going than than, than going undefeated in all of uh, of conference play. So with the the sport being as upset heavy as it is right now, um, with teams virtually falling every week when they leave their home gym, does this does this game as much as any game in the winning streak? Feel like the one where even you know, not to say that Carolina's not ready to play, but they just they just have a bad day and they're, and they're, and they're not able to overcome it like they have in other wins. I mean, I don't know. That's that's a tough way to sort of phrase it because I just I, I don't know if that might ultimately be what ends up happening. I think this might just be one of those days where you know Florida State ends up putting together the best performance against Carolina. I, I think it's possible that Carolina doesn't even necessarily play a bad game, but that Florida State just plays a better game. Um, and I think you could see that with some of the other teams coming up. I think this is probably the game that you would look at here in the near future outside of, of course, Duke, because Florida State – it, they, they have a good conference record. They If they want to have any chance of making the tournament, and even, I mean, they would have to put together an unreal conference season. I mean, we're talking probably 16-4 and four for them in conference and probably having to beat Carolina and Duke at least once. Like, that's the thing. They need some resume wins, and they need it very badly because their non-conference was so bad that their net rating is that far down. So they really are, are a desperate team. They probably feel like, hey, with our conference record, we should actually have a chance to make the tournament. But I think, you know, Leonard Hamilton and is going to realize that his guys, they have to find a way to pick up a big win. And this one's at home. So I think in their mind – that's the thing. You're 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 gonna run into some teams now, especially second half of this uh, of this ACC slate. Teams that are in need of big wins, and we've said it when talking on the main airwaves at WFNZ. Um, Carolina and Duke are the only teams right now that you really feel like our resume wins because nobody else in the net ranking is ranked inside of the top 35. Now, 
I don't know. When, when we last had that conversation, that was true. That could have changed since. But it's not like there are a ton of these great wins that are out there and available to teams. So that's the thing. Carolina is going to get everybody's best fight. They already were. But now for teams that are looking at this as an opportunity for them to potentially get into the NCAA tournament, there's only a couple of those opportunities out there. So they feel like they have to take advantage of them. That's the thing that should probably scare you a little bit more than anything about this game. Even early in conference play, you know, some of those games on the road, yeah, some of those teams may have been thinking the same thing, but it was still early in conference play. There were teams like Clemson, Miami, who we thought were going to be ranked pretty highly, you know, in the net ranking and could be ranked, you know, pretty highly overall in the country, setting up a good ACC race. Well, now we've learned it's a two-horse race. There's not a ton of great teams in this conference, and the opportunities are not really there for teams outside of Carolina and Duke. So, uh, yeah, this this is the thing that you know I think has me probably the the most paranoid about Carolina going into this game. Yeah, no, it's getting late early for a lot of teams in and around the ACC, and Carolina is at the point now in the schedule where they've played enough games to where it's, it's, it's really true. Every game that they play the rest of the way, they will be their opponent's biggest matchup, whether it's for rivalry concerns, you got two games with Duke, a game with State, or NCAA tournament livelihood for Florida State, for, for Miami. Um, and it's just, it's really hard to meet that task time and time again um, and show up night after night knowing that you're going to get that team's best shot. You're going to walk into a hostile environment. But, you know, that's what championship teams have to endure. Um, and, and and the teams that make Final Fours that win national championships, they find ways to, to overcome that. Um, and I think this team is capable of doing it um, because there's just a hunger and a desire within this group to achieve something together that I, I don't think they're afraid to, to have the these expectations upon them. This team, you know, the, the, the team last year was terrified of preseason number one, of being the trendy pick to make the Final Four, win a national championship. This team isn't um, because you haven't seen a difference in their play as they've climbed the rankings and as the pressure's gotten bigger and the talk's gotten louder. Um, and, and the, there's going to be pressure on Saturday, and the talk's going to be pretty high on Saturday for them to go on the road in a really tough environment and come away with the win. Let's talk about how Carolina can improve to 9-0 and in the ACC. Um, the first key I have to the game is Carolina's got to get off to a fast start because if you, you look at the way that Carolina's played on the road, that hasn't happened. And if you really take away the, the the home wins over Syracuse and in Louisville, you got off to a fast start and you settled in. And Carolina blew Wake Forest out the other night, but they they trailed at halftime and it was four to four at the first media timeout. Like it wasn't like Carolina came out guns a blazing. It feels like this has to be a game that from the from the jump, Carolina is ready to go. And I'm not saying start the game on a 10-2 run or something like that, but just be be ready to to play, um, and 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 not let the game get you know get stuck in the mud 
and not let the game kind of just sit into what's, what it's going to be an ugly game. I think there needs to be a sense of urgency out of the gate to get into a rhythm offensively, set the tone defensively, and weather what's going to be a pretty raucous crowd and a team that's going to be ready to feed off that energy in Florida State. Yeah, and, I mean, you go back to the first matchup, Carolina wasn't able to do this. This is one of the things we've talked about, and we've seen it at times where Carolina has been able to get off to fast starts. But it's not really as often as you would think for a team that's this good. A lot of it is is Carolina, I think, is, you know, that they're a team struggling to shoot from the perimeter. That shows up a lot early in games. So for Carolina, I think, in their mind, they would like to come out and hit a couple of jump shots. Now, of course, don't don't force it. Get to the basket. That's what's been your strength all season. Um, it's, if you attack the rim and you start scoring that way, then that's fine. But you need to be able to knock down those jump shots in the first half. You've seen games where Carolina has been able to do that. Tennessee, Syracuse, those are two in particular that come to mind. Carolina is able to get off the fast start. So I feel like that's going to be one of the things in this game. We'll learn pretty quickly whether or not Carolina uh, will be doing that in this game or not. But I, I think if you can get off to a fast start, if you can knock Florida State back on their heels, that's this is not, as I said, they're a solid uh, uh, solid offensive team, but they are not a great offensive team like some of the other teams that Carolina has played along the way this season. So if Carolina can build a lead, it's going to be pretty tough for Florida State to be able to string together stops as one of the you know bottom half of the country defensive teams and put the ball in the basket at a high enough level to get themselves back into the game. The second key I have is Carolina has to defend the interior. We, we we mentioned this when breaking down Florida State. In their eight ACC games, they lead the league in field goals made, two-point field goals made, and two-point field goals attempted. Um, whereas a lot of teams today attack from outside in, this team attacks from the inside out. So the first thing you got to do is you got to take away driving lanes. You got to be able to guard. And when you go back to the first matchup, Carolina was still finding their footing on the defensive end. And Elliot Cadeau wasn't the defender that he's become today. Um, not even Seth Trimble had really established himself as a premier defender in all of college basketball. Those things are true now. Cormac Ryan has gotten better defensively. Their communication is better. Their switching is better. Um, it's a big reason why they've become the best defensive team, arguably, in the ACC, and so you're coming off a game where against Wake Forest, you were wanting to protect and defend the three-point line. Now you got to you know, switch and change everything that you, you did in that game for this game because Florida State shoots you know, 32% from deep as a team. They know it's not their strong suit. You, we, we know how good of a coach Leonard Hamilton is. It's why they were able to make that in-season adjustment this is going to be a team that's going to want to get downhill. So Carolina needs to take away the driving lanes, defend without fouling, and not give up points in the paint. Uh, you know, for 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 forty minutes. Well, I mean, the thing is, is Carolina should be prepared for this, right? I mean, this is pretty much their game plan when it comes to attacking on the offensive end. Is is really getting downhill and getting to the basket, and this is exactly what they're going to see in this 
game. You know, Florida State is, you know, they're a team that uh, is, yeah, a little old school this year. They're not wanting to stand behind the arc and take threes. Now, I mean, they've got guys that can shoot it from deep, but it's a much more physical team. It's one uh, that's, you know, going to want to, you know, really get to the rim on Carolina. But the good news is, is that Carolina has been able to match this for the majority of the season outside of, you know, some of their really all three of their losses, you've seen teams that have been more physical than them. You know, this is going to be the question going in. Is Carolina more physical than Florida State or can Florida State out physical them? But I I think Carolina should be ready for this. Again, you've seen this team once already this year. You know the playing style that they're going to bring to the table. And at the same time, you know, you look at the way that Carolina has been playing. First of all, Harrison Ingram has stepped his game up. I mean, the way he's rebounding right now, it's hard to believe that he's just going to step aside and allow these guys to push him around. Armando Baycott, again, we've said it, you know, the last couple of times that we've recapped games. People are very critical of Armando Baycott, but they don't realize that he is doing so many different things that go unnoticed. And one of those things that he's doing that's going unnoticed is the way that he's playing defensively. Um, I mean, he has been simply outstanding when it's come to protecting the rim. He had four blocks the other day for Carolina against Wake Forest. This is a guy that should be up to the task. So this is you know one that's – it'll be a challenge – for Carolina. Um, There's no doubt about that, but you have to feel pretty confident with the way that Carolina has been playing defensively in uh, down low and in the lane here in conference play that they should be able to handle it. The last key to the game on my, on their, on my sheet, I had written down, defend the three point line, but I'm going to change that. You go back to the first matchup, Carolina shot 31 free throws. They made 25 of them for 81%, you know, shooting from behind or, or, or from the foul line. Carolina's got to – there's one gripe I can say about what this team does on the road is they don't get to the foul line consistently. It usually takes them until the second half for them to get to the foul line and, 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 and earn points that way. Um, you know, the, the first game proved that – Florida State had a hard time staying in front of you, and they had a hard time playing defense without fouling you. Um, And I said it in the Wake Forest game, and I said it in other games uh, throughout the ACC season, I like our depth more than I like our opponent's depth. And if we can get to these second units in the first half, it makes it easier for you to go on the road, you know, build a lead and control the game as opposed to playing close till you know, the, the final media timeout before gaining separation. Um, it, it starts and ends with Armando Baycott establishing a presence in the post and then everyone attacking off of them. Um, and I think that's something that Carolina's got to do a much better job on the road at doing. They did it a phenomenal in the second half the other night. Big reason why they scored 52 points and was able to pull away from Wake Forest but it's got to start becoming consistently for 40 minutes home and away. So I'd like to see Carolina get into Florida State's bench and be able to score easy points at the free throw line. Yeah, well, and look, it's pro- it's going to be something that uh, you should be able to do against this Florida State team because they've struggled with it all year. They rank 346th in the country in terms of free throw attempts allowed. 
free throw makes per game, 320th. And they're worse. It's not something that it was just bad at a conference and now they've adjusted. No, they're the worst team in the conference since conference play started in terms of both of those categories as well. So, I mean, look, Carolina, this is something that we've seen at times this year. They've been really, really good at doing. But as you've mentioned, uh, you know, this is what for some reason when they go on the road, it's just not that easy for Carolina to be able to draw fouls. Now, part of it is that the game might be officiated a little bit different when you're the road team. But at the same time, it's part of it is just that Carolina does not come out aggressive enough, especially in the first half. That's the that's the area where you'd like to see Carolina draw more fouls is early on. And that goes into a fast start. If you can get to the foul line and get some of those easy points – then you have a chance to get off to a fast start um, if you can do that you know, right out of the gate as opposed to waiting until the second half. Now, the thing is, is that Carolina has to make their free throw attempts when they get there. One of the oddest things about this Florida State team this year is that, yeah, opponents are getting to the foul line very often, but opponents are making just 66.5% of their free throws this year, which is the 18th fewest in the entire country. So very odd statistic there. Don't really know what goes into that, if they've just faced some really bad free throw shooting teams or if the Tucker Center really is just that hard of a place to go into. But it's certainly something that's noteworthy. So Carolina, not only do you have to get to the foul line, once you get there, you have to be able to knock down your free throws, something that at times has been a little bit of a little bit of a hit or miss thing for this group. Carolina enters with a 71% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's analytics. Who wins the game and why? I will – I think it's a great matchup. I think this will probably be one of the closer games that Carolina has played. I I feel like Carolina finds a way to pull it out, but it'll be an incredibly close one because I think that Florida State – is one of the few teams that will be able to match up with Carolina inside. The one thing that's interesting about this team is as much as they like to get downhill and score, they're not a great rebounding team. So ultimately I think that could probably end up being the difference in this game, maybe a couple of key rebounds late. Um, I I think one of the things to watch for in this game, didn't really talk about it, but uh, Florida State does an amazing job of creating turnovers, 9.2 steals, force per game. I think Carolina may have some trouble turning the ball over, especially early in the game, which is why this game will be a close one. But I think in the end, uh, you know, Carolina is able to pull it out, just overpower Florida State. I like them to win this game somewhere in the three to five point range. I'm I'm pretty torn on on which way to go um, because I, I, I don't see a 10-0 start, you know, because you don't see it all that often in the ACC. I don't know if I want to be 10-0 going into the Duke game, and that happens to be the first ACC loss. But there's a there's a trust factor with this team, and there's a belief factor with this team that you just expect them to win every time they step on the basketball court. Like, we talk about old-school Carolina basketball. You felt and expected Carolina to win every time they walked on the court. And that's what I feel when I watch this team play. And so I think come Saturday at 4 o'clock, they'll score more points than Florida State. 
they'll win their they'll win their tenth straight game and improve to to nine and zero in ACC play. Don't think it'll be easy. It might be as ugly a road win as as they've put together so far this night or the, the, this conference season. But um, you know, I think this team likes the idea of being able to say they, you know, they're able to sweep an opponent. They, I, I think they've they've really embraced going on the road and winning because they've played so many games away from home. It feels like, and I think the winning will continue. And I think Carolina will will remain undefeated in conference play come Saturday afternoon. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered HeelToughBlog.com where there'll be a preview of the game for you guys on Friday evening. And, of course, I'll be back with you on Saturday recapping the game as I continue to take you through the basketball season. The football team got its schedule out for the 2024 season. Anthony has a breakdown of that. And and, and any other news and notes that does come out of the Keenan Center, we'll have you covered so make sure you're staying locked in, HeelToughBlog.com, for the latest Carolina basketball, Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.